If Jonathan Taylor is seeking a trade, we understand how the agents work. They put in calls, they put out feelers, so they believe that they can find a trade partner. On top of finding a trade partner, they have to find someone who's willing to pay Jonathan Taylor what he was looking for from the Indianapolis Colts. So they got to pay twice. With the way the running back market has been treated or devalued, what team is going to do that? It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer John McClain from Sports Radio 610 right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. You heard right there Ryan Clark, ESPN's Ryan Clark talking about the Jonathan Taylor situation going on in Indianapolis and that's a situation we've talked about quite a bit here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Joining us now on the phone lines is the Hall of Famer John McClain from Sports Radio 610 in Houston and John thanks so much definitely appreciate you as always. Let's start right there with Jonathan Taylor. We've talked quite a bit the last couple weeks about this situation. Now the Colts have allowed him to go find a trade partner. How realistic is it that that happens? Well, it depends on him. Is he going to play under his current contract and trust that they will reward him in a manner that he sees fit? Or will they franchise him next year for about $10.4 million? He's in a bad situation because his season last year was hampered because of injuries. Now he's hurt. He's on PUP with an ankle injury. At one point, it was his back. You know, he would be better off playing for the Colts, having a really good season. Then, of course, they're going to franchise him, but see if they would trade him then. I think what when you do this, it's not like they did it in March, but when teams had money and they had needs, uh, this is the worst possible time. I believe that the Colts want his agent and Taylor to see there's not a market out there. Nobody's going to give them a fair price, and nobody is going to give him the kind of money he wants on a new contract. And I was asked on one of my earlier shows, well, what about Christian McCaffrey? Well, he was healthy. Mm-hmm. He was not coming off an injury plague season. He was healthy. He didn't get a one. He got a two and I think three other picks spaced over two years. They might be able to get that for him if he were healthy, and he's not. And he wasn't. So I know a lot of people, oh, my goodness, teams are going to line up to get him. I think they'll line up to inquire about him. But the problems that exist with the Colts are going to exist with any other team. I feel the exact same way. I just don't see it materializing like him or his agent may think that it's going to materialize. And do you see this relationship in Indianapolis being able to be cured and fixed? Because it seems like it's broken right now. It sure does seem like it's broken as opposed to what's going on with Josh Jacobs and and the Raiders. They've handled both sides and handled it with class. You know, once once things fall apart and you have people like Jim Irsay saying some of the things he said, the damage is usually irreparable. The player's going to be unhappy. He may come back, but he's going to be unhappy. Not many coaches want players who are unhappy, especially if they're not getting the best out of the player or the player could be disruptive. And I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor could be that, but every day players are asked about it. Coaches are asked about it. And at some point, you don't want to ask about it anymore. Everybody in the AFC South is hoping they trade Jonathan Taylor to an NFC team because they want him out of the division. But the fact is, he didn't do much last year. Two years ago, he was fantastic. And uh, he's caught in the same plight that Josh Jacobs is, that Saquon Barkley is, and other running backs will be. It's just a sign of the running back times you're not going to get 
the big bucks like Christian McCaffrey did with Carolina when he got, I believe, an average of $16 million a year. Right, exactly. It's just it's not that kind of uh, time right now for the running backs. Unfortunately for them, it's just not what it is. And, John, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, and we've talked about him quite a bit here on the show together. Uh, when do you think, since we're heading into preseason game number three, they play on Saturday against the Cowboys, when do you think the latest should be for Jacobs to show up so he can still be ready for week one? Well, if he wants to punish the Raiders and his teammates and coaches, he come in at the last minute. We've talked about this before, Q. Running backs, more than any other position, need to be hit. Mm-hmm. They need to get their legs. I remember Earl Campbell and other running backs for the Oilers used to say, running backs need the preseason. They need training camp because you can work out on your own. You can become an Olympic sprinter. You can be- become an Olympic distance runner uh, on your own. But when you there's nothing that can simulate getting hit getting your timing, getting your legs. So you run the risk of when you come in, getting the nagging injuries, hamstrings, growing injuries, calf muscles, the pull muscles, the soft tissue muscles that can hamper you all season. And that's not what Josh Jacobs wants. I think he should have. He's made his point. He should have come in with a couple of weeks left, playing two games. Uh, if they have joint practices, do that. But he he can't just, to me, it's not like he's an offensive tackle. Orlando Pace, Walter Jones, those guys used to wait the last minute, and they would come in and go straight to their position. Their position's a little different than when you're running back. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And we saw Monday Night Football. One, I thought I saw a pretty entertaining Monday Night Football game between the Ravens and the Commanders. But the Ravens' 24-game winning streak in the preseason is snapped. Was that a significant thing? What, 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 should, I, what should I think about that, that, uh, that streak being broken? Well, first of all, while I was watching the Astros, who just got their butts kicked by <laughs> – Seattle in a three-game series in Houston to see if they could beat the Red Sox, you're watching an exhibition game that doesn't <laughs> count squat. And um, I think people were taking so many fun shots at the Ravens and the streak. And uh, I, I said today on my weekly show on OutKick, I said, you know, it's the kind of thing players that don't make the team can look back on in 30 years, tell their kids and their grandkids. They were part of the longest winning streak, and then they kind of muffled preseason with their hand in NFL history. <laughs> 24 While games. lawyers and doctors and salesmen <laughs> and investors because so many players who participated in this winning streak are not going to be around. Don Shula, the winningest coach of all time, when he was with the Dolphins, he liked to win preseason games. He thought – It got his players ready mentally and physically for regular season. But nobody puts that kind of emphasis on. When I started covering the NFL Cube, uh, there were still uh, 14 games and six preseason games. And then my second season, they went to 14 and four. But even back then, when preseason started, the first game, the starters would play a little bit. Second game, they'd play first quarter. Third game, they'd play the first half. The last preseason game, they'd play three quarters, all of them. They'd be ready to take that next step and transition into a full four quarters. And I'll guarantee you, and I talk to players 
all the time about this. There were no more injuries then than there are now. What do you think about Lamar Jackson and this new offense in Baltimore? Because he's one of the guys that didn't get any kind of action in the preseason, and this is a new offense. Do you think he should have got some some, uh, time out there on the grass? Q, I don't know if they had joint practices or not, but because that does a lot of good. Yeah, they did. They did with Washington. Trying to do things mentally. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's like Anthony Richardson's the starter, but he's not playing. And when you're Anthony Richardson and you played 13 games in college, or even C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who started two seasons, you need to play in preseason. Texans began the season at Baltimore. When they were winning the AFC South under Bill O'Brien, they went to Baltimore and played against Lamar Jackson and got crushed. So I can imagine how they're going to get crushed the first game before they come home to open against the Colts for their home opener and Anthony Richardson. So, you know, you asked me about Jonathan Taylor. It tells me that Anthony Richardson is going to lead the NFL in rushing over Lamar Jackson. So he's not going to have Taylor. And he's going to run even more because of his inexperience. And we know our rookie quarterbacks, they don't see anything, so they take off. Right. And originally that changes. But I think you'll see him doing like Josh Fields did last year when he, he's going to run for a lot of yards like Lamar Jackson always does. And, and it's not a new era. It's just it would have helped him a whole lot if they had had a healthy, happy Jonathan Taylor. John McClain from Sports Radio 610 is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And the commanders on the other side of things, I know you were watching the Astros game, but their fans and the team itself looks so happy. And I felt like, John, a lot of their happiness is just the fact that the stink of Daniel Snyder is now officially gone from Washington. How big of a deal is that for the commanders and their fan base just to kind of get that dark cloud from over them? Well, first of all, second-year quarterback Sam Al looked good. And I did switch over during commercials. <laughs> there you and, go. <laughs> and Josh Harris, their new majority owner, he, he did an interview with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And, you know, they want a new stadium. They're going to get a new stadium. They're probably going to move down to where Daniel Snyder wanted to move, and nobody would take him down where RFK Stadium is, in the district, not Maryland. And uh, although Virginia's trying to get him, Maryland's trying to get him, and he's going to end up with the best deal. But the stadium they're playing in now is awful. But it's yep. like a dark cloud has been lifted, and people are so fired up. He's only got one way to go because, you know, it's not that Snyder's like 5'5", five, five, but they, he's got some little shoes to fill. <laughs> There's no doubt. I'll tell you, those fans were super excited. It seemed like they were finally able to say they were able to go back to the stadium and cheer on their team now that Daniel Snyder was gone. John, I wanted to ask you about the quarterback position. We've seen here with the Raiders what Aiden O'Connell, a fourth-round pick, has done through two preseason games. Did the performance of Brock Purdy last year as a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant as they called him, uh, did that kind of encourage teams to go and get quarterbacks later in the draft and also the fan bases to believe that that later-round quarterback could end up being a franchise guy? Well, it depends on who's coaching him. It depends on who's playing him. San Francisco has as many playmakers as anybody. You look at that offense, Trent Williams, best offensive tackle in the NFL, Debo Samuel, great receiver and can run George Kettle great tight end Christian McCaffrey great runner slash receiver they have weapons Brock Purdy was not asked 
to bring them from behind very often. He was in the perfect situation. Most of the time, when you got to start a low draft pick, you don't have Kyle Sinian and Bobby Sloan coaching them. And so I, I don't think it did. Usually teams do that. It's going to be out of necessity. Now, Washington drafted Sam Howell, I think, in like the fifth round. He'd been great in his mm-hmm. first year as a starter at North Carolina. Then he lost a lot of players. And I think a couple of key coaches, he didn't play as well, and they got him low. And uh, and he looks like he's going to do a good job. Ron Rivera's basically cast his job security with Sam Howell because if he struggles and they don't win, he knows as a new owner, he's out of there. But if they win and they're competitive and they compete for a playoff race and maybe the one of the two, three toughest divisions, well, the toughest division in the NFC, then uh, maybe he can keep his job for another year. What have you thought about Aiden O'Connell, who's looked really good through two preseason games, but I always caution his preseason, and I don't want to get too high or too low on what I see in preseason action. Well, he looks like he should have been the first overall pick or the second overall pick because he's playing better than C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and, and Anthony Richards. Now, a lot of that may have to do with the situation, but the fact is he looked good. The opportunity he's been given, and I'll guarantee you anybody's thinking about Brock Purdy last year, they're thinking about him. Right. And you hope they don't have to use him, but uh, they may be – they should. The coaches should have – confidence in him based on what they've seen at this time. But the NFL graveyard is littered with a lot of August All-Stars. <laughs> right. I know that's right. The Raiders have had their share of August All-Stars that haven't turned out to do anything in the regular season. Great stuff. That's a drop-the-mic type moment right there, John. We definitely appreciate you. What you working on that we should be on the lookout for? SportsRadio610.com. I just filed an Astros column, got Texans columns, got NFL column, and I appreciate anybody getting us a check at SportsRadio610.com. Thank you very much, Q. Appreciate you, John. As always, there he goes, John McClain, SportsRadio610. It's always great to catch up with the general. Definitely appreciate his feedback, his honesty as all times. Been covering the NFL longer than I've been alive, and that's saying something right there. So I definitely appreciate John each and every week he joins us at 3 o'clock. 3.14 is the time. We'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200. We got Colin Cowherd coming up about 3.30-ish, 3.35. I want you to hear what he had to say. as about a five-minute little chunk of what he had to say about the silver and black, and it kind of goes with the theme of the question that we threw out there to you. Do you see a scenario where the Raiders are better than a lot of people expect? Are you starting to believe in this team in 2023, or are you still kind of proceeding with caution? And, you know, uh, actually, Rich Gannon, we heard from him in the first hour, he said he was cautiously optimistic, but he was talking about the potential if the defense is good to be a double – uh, double the wins that they had in 2022, which would put the Raiders at 12 wins in 2023. Those are uh, some lofty goals, but if the defense is worth the salt, better than what we expect them to be or thought that they were going to be, maybe there's a chance that they could do just that. We'll go to Colin Cowherd in, like I said, about 15 or 20 minutes from now. But right now, uh, rookie tight end Michael Mayer, he just talked to the media just a little while ago at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, and I want you to hear this uh, little media session where he talks about Max Crosby. Welcome him to the NFL. Open for questions for Mike. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you uh, after that first day of pads. Um, <clears throat> kind of saw that uh, you were lined up against Max Crosby. Um Felt like it was one of those welcome to the NFL moments. Was that kind of? It was. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, first day of pads, 
my technique was all over the place. I haven't been hitting in, you know, four or five, six months. Um, and he showed it, and I got embarrassed. And uh, I think that was definitely my welcome to the NFL moment. Um, from there, I'm just trying to get better, trying to learn from it. Um, I've gotten extremely better just going against Max in practice every single day. He's bringing it. I'm trying to bring it as much as I can. And uh, I know it's going to help me this season and in the long run. Was there an appreciation? For, I mean, I know that it's tough to go through that. Um, but was there an appreciation for it afterwards? And you, did you guys talk about it? Uh, no, we didn't talk about it. Uh, I hope there's an appreciation on his end. There is on mine for sure. Um, he's making me better every single day I'm out there. You got drafted. You talked about going into your last year at Notre Dame. You really wanted to emphasize improving as a blocker. Uh, how has that kind of carried over to the NFL, adjusting to you know bigger, stronger? Yeah, I'm learning every day. I'm learning a lot. Um, it's different. It's definitely different. That's probably the biggest thing I've noticed coming from college to the NFL now, um, the blocking technique that you got to have. Um, I'm learning it every day. I'm improving at it every day. Um, and there's a lot I need to get better at in terms of that, too. So that's one of my main focuses right now, for sure. Michael, when people talk about you, they use the word teachable. A lot of guys get drafted high. They, that's not the case. Where does that come from? Have you always been that way? Is Where does that? Uh, I think I grew up that way. And I think it's the way I was raised. Um, and I think I was also born that way a little bit. Um, that's just kind of it's instilled into me, if you know what I mean. Um, and so coming to the football field every day since I was three, four, five uh, years old, it, it's always been kind of what can I get better at? What can I learn from? What is the coach? What is the teacher? What are they trying to say to me right now? Um, and Coach Jerry's done a great job with that. Coach Lombardi and Coach McDaniels have all uh, been there, really helping me improve, helping me get the offense down. Um, that's another whole section category that we could talk about is me really trying to get this offense down and play as confident as I can out there. Um, and so we're getting there. Michael, it seems like you've um, hit the ground running as a receiver, and I know you said that's something that, that comes more naturally to you. What do you think makes you a, a tough cover out there? I think I use my big body very well. Um, I can get into guys. I can burst off of guys. Um, I can understand their movements. I can understand, is he going to have outside leverage here, inside leverage? Uh, what do I need to do? Where do I need to stem? Things like that, and um, I could do that very well in college because of how much I knew the offense and how much I was. After the first year of starting there, my freshman year, I kind of knew everything the, the next two years. So I could really do what I wanted to do in my route game and really understand concepts and things like that. So I'm trying to get that down here as much as I can, too. When it comes to the blocking end of it, um, still learning the offense. And then as a tight end, you're blocking everyone from defensive tackles, defensive ends, cornerback safeties, whatever the case might be the thought process that you have to do pre-snap and then deal with whoever you have to deal with. Is that a challenge, and do you feel like you're getting better at it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's been a challenge since the first day of camp. Um, that's something I'm going into practice every single day, trying to get better at, trying not to think so much, trying to learn from my mistakes. Because um, really, the last thing I want to do is, is go out on the line and have to think so much to where I'm playing slower than I usually play. Um, and so I'm trying to stay away from that as much as possible. Dame, you were the big fish. The offense ran through you. Here, there's a bunch of stars, so you just have to contribute. How much does that make you better that you don't have to go carry the load? You've got a bunch of great players around you. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just me coming to the facility every single day and trying to play the best ball I can play. Um, do whatever they're asking me to do. Um, come in and improve as much as I can and things like that. And uh, for me, you know, everything will work out. And they know what I can do, and uh, I know what I can do. So at the end of the day, it's about coming in here and trying to improve every day. 
I know so, uh, just... nothing comes easily, but you said the blocking techniques been one of the hardest things to adjust to. The biggest difference in the NFL. Um, you talked about your history as a receiver. Has has it been a little bit easier? Do you think you you picked up on the receiving end quicker? And why is that? I wouldn't say I picked up on it quickly. I would say there's still a big learning gap in the blocking game and in the route game. You know, coming to the league with anybody, I feel like anybody would say that. Um, but for me, at least, <clears throat> in the off season, being able to run routes like I want to run routes and have quarterbacks throw me the ball, it's a little bit easier than in the off season training for the combine, doing things like that, doing a bunch of blocking stuff. So therefore, I was getting way more work with quarterbacks and route running before the combine and after the combine, before I got here for camping in the spring. Um, so it just came a little bit more naturally. Now that you've had some time in this offense, what are the things that you like about it in terms of how it uses the tight end? Oh, uh, we do a lot of stuff. We got to know a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff. Um, all 11 guys uh, are dependent upon each other. So everybody has to know what they're doing. Um, if one person messes up, they can screw up the entire play. Um, and that starts with the quarterback and it goes all the way down. So um, I got to really know what I need to do. Um, Every other tight end in the in the room needs to know what they need to do, and that's kind of why I love this offense. is It's very dependent upon everybody, um, so everybody has to know what they're doing. Got a chance to play uh, on on Saturday. Uh, started the game, blocked a little bit, caught a pass. Um, what was your experiences like? How did you uh, come out of that game? It was good. It was good to get the first one under the belt for sure. Um, I had a lot of fun. They were a great team. Um, it was fun to be out there with Jimmy on that first series. Um, but like I like I've been saying, I got. My first little action in under me, but at this point, it's keep improving, trying to get as better um, as I can and um, learn the playbook as much as I can and things like that. On the back end of that, even though it was just a preseason game, was there any nerves going in and then you felt like once you made that catch, you kind of got settled a little bit? I think there's always, I think after the first play, I always settle in pretty well. I, that's what I've always told people. Um, there, I got nerves for every game. That's just kind of how it is. I care about playing well. I care about the game of football. I want to do well for my team and my coaches. So I always got nerves um, going to games and even probably coming into practice, I got some nerves. So once I get out there, get that first play, second play under my belt, I'm kind of just out there playing ball, doing what I've been doing my whole life. There's Raiders rookie tight end Michael Mayer right there, the second-round pick out of Notre Dame. I think he's got some good days in front of him for the silver and black, and you hear him right there talking about his first experience in an actual game. Uh, although it's a preseason game, he got his first experience on Saturday versus the Rams. So there you go, some good stuff right there from Raiders HQ. Got a tweet that I wanted to address real quick before we take a break, and before we do take that break, I also have winning on the way, so just know that. But uh, our guy Ravi, shout-out to my man Ravi. He hit me up on Twitter and said, Q, Continuity is good if you're making progress. Otherwise, it's just wasted years. They drafted, they being the Raiders, drafted five defensive line guys in two years. If the D still doesn't improve and the Raiders only win five to six game games, that's not good progress. Now, if Aiden O'Connell looks good during the season, then Josh should be back. That's from Ravi. And you're right. If they don't improve, if, if they're not, there's not improvement, then, yeah, it's wasted years. But you said years, plural. It's been one year. R, not a plural. It's been one year that this, this staff has had. And I'm not saying they're going to be the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying that they're going to go and win the Super Bowl and get this team where they need to be. But I think we all have to admit that it takes more than one year to get the team where it needs to be. And you know what? It might take more than two. You know, I mean, that's the reality. It might take more than two to get exactly where you want to be. I do think, and this is what I was saying before we brought on John McClain, I was talking about continuity. I do think that things are headed in the right direction. I look at this roster right now, and this is just me. You don't have to agree. That's fine. I look at this roster and say it's better than it was. I, I truly believe that. I think the defense is going to be better than what we saw. I think you're going to see more turnovers this year than what we've been seeing. 
I think you're going to see the offense clicking on all cylinders. A lot of it has to do with Jimmy G staying healthy. And if Aiden O'Connell has to get in the game or Brian Hoyer has to get in the game, uh, you don't want to see that. But if, if, if it happens, so be it. But I do think you're going to see the team execute and play at a higher level. Now, if they exe- just crap the bed and they don't play well at all and they don't look like they have any kind of rhyme or reason to what they're doing in game action, then sure, by all means, then fire everybody. Sure, go ahead. But I just my gut feeling tells me that that's not going to be the case. One, they weren't getting blown out of games last year. They were in a lot of games that they lost. And I know you can't really judge everything by what they did last year, but it's not like they just were looking like they didn't belong on that field. They just didn't come out on the right end of things. And, again, just my point of view from a guy that's been at most of the practices and you know seeing them in the preseason action and been a little up close to personal, from what I've seen, they look like they're a lot in a lot better place than they were a year ago. I think a lot of it has to do with Chandler Jones. Like you said, the defensive line. I think guys like Neil Farrell need to step up. Matthew Butler, you're absolutely right. You're not wrong about that. But that's why they got these young guys. And that's why they went and also got veterans on all levels. If you look at the defense, defensive line, linebackers, corners, safeties, there's veterans in every position, but there's young dudes too. And that's the blend that I believe Dave Ziegler is looking for. Get the young guys, coach them up, build this team so they have some young talent for quite a while, and then be able to continue to plug some holes here and there, right? Aiden O'Connell easily could end up being the, the future of the team at the quarterback position, you know, if he goes out there and earns it. Ja'Cory and Bennett could end up being uh, a cornerback for the Raiders for years to come, right? Trayvon Merrick could end up turning into one of the best safeties that this team has seen, or maybe he's not. <laughs> right? He's got to go out there and prove it. But the good thing is Marcus Epps is young enough where he could be really good and also help out Chris Smith. Chris Smith might turn into somebody really special on the back end. Like Luke Masterson, they expect a lot from him this year. He was an undrafted free agent. Amari Bernie is already flashed in preseason action. He's a six-round pick. Like there's things that you look at that I like. And, again, I'm not saying that that's going to turn into 10 or 11 wins in the regular season. I'm not. I wouldn't be foolish like that. But if you see this team – looking like they are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're trending in the right direction, I don't think that it would be any question that the team, that the, the, the staff is back next year. And if they are going in the right direction, then it would be silly to pull the plug on them because then you're going to start all over. Then you're going to get guys to say, well, these aren't our guys. Got to bring in some more guys because that's what happens every year. Every year you fire a coach or bring in another coach, what do they do? They look for their guys. They try to find a couple guys that can hold over from the, from the last staff, and then they bring in their guys. And then everyone calls in and says, why are these guys bringing in just their guys? Because that's what everyone does. So that's what I'm saying. It's counterproductive. If this team is trending in the right direction, if they're going in the right direction and you're seeing signs, not me, you're seeing signs, then that would be silly to pull the plug. It's only been one year. That's why I'm willing to give them time and at least see what they do this year before I make a call and saying, hey, let's go, uh, let's go find a new coach. Let's go, let's go call MD and tell him, hey, man, uh, you need a new coach. I'm, I'm not going to do that until you actually see what is going on out there on the field. And if it's, if, it's, if it's positive, if things are trending in the right direction, why would you want to make that move? That, that's all I'm saying. I agree with you with wasting years, but one year is not a wasted year. And this year I think that there's going to be a lot of improvement I don't know what that means as far as wins, but I do think this year is going to be a lot of improvement. You're going to see this team looking like they know exactly what they're doing. Patrick Graham's defense and 
Josh McDaniels offense. So thank you so much for that tweet. I do appreciate you. You can keep that feedback coming at 69187 keyword RNR. Also 702-365-9200. Let's go ahead and get a quick call in real quick. Let's get Gangster Raider in. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, talking about you and what you was talking about with the topic today. Well, I'm feeling optimistic. I told you cautiously optimistic. Yep. And I will be more enthusiastic uh, once Josh Jacob come back. But I'm also feeling good because it's kind of hard to explain, but let me explain it to you like this. Remember last year when Rich Eisen picked us as his um, yep. pick to win the division? Yep. To me, I was like, damn, that's the kiss of death. I, I said it to myself, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't say it to nobody out loud. But in right. my mind, I was thinking, damn, that's the kiss <laughs> of death. And look what happened. Mm. We end up only winning six games. So I like the fact that we low-key flying under the radar until – Colin Kyle Hurst said what he said today. <laughs> now, now I'm like, damn. You know what I'm saying? Because I like where we were flying over the radar, under the radar. Nobody really taking us serious. Like that one fool, and shout out to I forgot who said it, but that one fool, yeah, I saw that. He had us losing the first 10 games. Yeah, forget that fool. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think what us flying under the radar, we're fighting under the radar, we got a chance, like, you know, like the first game. Everybody expect. well, a lot of people think Denver going to beat us. We can come out, smash them in their mouth, make Sean Payton like a fool. Then we go into Buffalo. If we win that game, we should, we win our first two games on the road, and we beat them two games. And if we come on th- Sunday night, which I think we should beat Pittsburgh at home, imagine we starting 3-0. and Imagine how the narrative is going to change then. And I think with our schedule and us flying under the narrative and, you know, Denver wanting us to, that will be a big major – you know, a big major um, skin in our own um, basket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time, but that's how I'm feeling. So once J.J. come back, and if we stay flying under the radar, I feel better. But the more and more people start hopping on us, then I'm going to be like uh, a little cringy. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. I understand exactly what you're saying. Thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate you. That's Gangster Raider. And the reason I, I understand exactly what he's saying is on game days when I'm watching like uh, NFL Live or whatever the, the Sunday morning NFL show is where they're predicting all the wins, when I see across the board like Raiders, 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 I'm like, well, that's an L. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's just my natural reaction. When I see some, somebody or a group of people like uh, on ESPN see six or seven people pick the Raiders to win that game. I was like, well, there goes that. I like it when I see the other team lost, 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 lost for the Raiders. Okay, cool, right? Then that's the one where I, I feel better about it. But, man, you start seeing all these guys start picking, and like Gangster said, all these guys getting on, on board and saying that, man, the Raiders are going to win this, that, and the other. It is almost feel like the kiss of death. Thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Let's go ahead and get call number nine real quick. It's 702-365-9200. I know Mike in Vegas is on, on hold. We'll get to you in a hot minute, but I do want to hook up two tickets to go see LL Cool J. LL Cool J is bad as hell. Battle anybody. I don't care if you tell. I excel. I, whoa, hold up now. Hold up now. You're going to make me change my job. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see. Who else is there? The Force, <laughs> The Roots, DJ Jazzy Jeff, salt and Pepper, Ice-T, all that. You want to go see them September 2nd, MGM Grand Arena? We got a pair of tickets for you right now. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. Colin Cowherd, 
My man, uh, Gangster Raider, mentioned him. You'll hear from him next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Teams don't win in this league unless they're playing good defense, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at the defensive depth chart. You're not blown away by what's happening on the back half of it, but up front. You know, Max Crosby, Tyree Wilson, who just got on the field recently, and Chandler Jones looking to have a bounce-back season. How can the Raiders beat expectations this season? How can they be in contention? Those guys have got to play out of their minds. And when you start to do that, now you start to cover up some things that maybe aren't as complete elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. NFL Network's Mike Garofalo on Good Morning Football talking about the Raiders' defense. they got to play defense. I think that's something that we've all talked about. We talked about that last year. We talked about during the regular season we had folks getting mad. They would call in and text in, why are you talking about the defense? Because they got to play better. <laughs> Simple as that. They've got to play better. And they all know that. And Max Crosby knows that, and he talks about it all the time. The defense has to be better. If they're going to be a team that's going to exceed expectations, which, believe me, expectations are not high for a lot of folks outside of Raider Nation, and even a lot of folks that are parts of Raider Nation don't have high expectations for this team. If they're going to exceed those expectations, the defense is going to have to play a major role. The offense is going to do what they do, but the uh, defense is going to definitely have to play a major role. Vegas Pete. Said on the dobebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r What a difference two weeks makes, huh? The national media finally stopped bashing us. Only UQ and us hardcore fans saw this coming. I bet the over six and a half wins before it goes up. Al was right with the greatness of the Raiders. It's in his future. That's Vegas Pete right there. And, yeah, it's funny. I did a whole podcast on that last night. Like, man, it's all of a sudden crazy how the narrative after two preseason games, not, not regular season games, preseason games, all of a sudden – it's like, oh, man, wait, the Raiders got something. They may be onto something. Yeah, Vegas Pete, that's a great observation. And again, something I talked about on my podcast just last night. I want to shout out to my man Alex. He got hooked up with the tickets to go see LL Cool J, The Force, live, uh, The Roots, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Salt and Pepper, Ice-T at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. I really want to go to that show. I might just have to buy me some of those tickets. I might have to buy some tickets and invite the wife later. <laughs> right? Just be like, all right, wife, by the way. Uh, you didn't know we were going out this Saturday night, but here it is. Just going to say that. We, we got to go. I got the tickets. And she didn't get the hint the other day. Right, right. Yeah, she was conveniently outside, right? Mm-hmm. Look, she got her tickets to Beyonce, so I got my tickets to LL Cool J, right? That's Low a key, fair... she'd be thrilled, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, nah, but she's, you know what? It's funny about her. The first um, the first time I knew that she was a keeper, I said something about, about – um, Notorious B.I.G. and she mentioned the day that he was that that he passed, and I was like, "Oh, ooh, that's a keeper." <laughs> okay, okay, so you got a little hip hop uh, swag to you. Okay, I see you. So yeah, so I think she'd appreciate, especially Salt and Pepper, uh, the Roots, the Force Live, LL Cool J. You can't really go wrong there, man. Ice T, I'm a big Ice T guy too. I'd love to see Ice T. Uh, but, yeah, man, that's that's a good show. We got more tickets. We're giving those away all week long. So, shout out to Alex who got hooked up with those. Let's go out to the phone lines, though. 702-365-9200. Mike right here in Vegas, very patient, waiting on hold. Thank you, Mike. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're blessed, man. We're blessed. Hey, no, I just wanted to say I really like our schedule, the way it's setting up. Like, we go into Indy and into Detroit. Those are going to be indoors and – we go to Miami and Buffalo early and Chicago early. I mean, we don't have any really bad weather games except for Christmas against KC. Um, and I love – I just want to piggyback you. I love I love Josh. I, I believe in Josh. 
And, uh, yeah, I want to, I just think I love the way the defense is coming around. We're getting those quarterbacks. I mean, nowadays with the way that they're passing, you got to have good quarterback, uh, quarterback play. And it seems like they're addressing that. Also, I want to ask you a question. How's Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer looking? I haven't seen or heard a lot of him. I know he got open when, um, Boyer threw that pick. Um, I want to ask you about him, and I just also want to say I don't want Hoyer playing this year. I don't want him on my team. If he wants to be a coach or something, I'd rather have Aiden McDonald come in and get and get snaps. Okay. I'd rather lose games with Aiden than have Hoyer come in and be. We, I mean, I just don't want Hoyer on the team. Thank you for my call. Uh, hey, th- thank you. I do appreciate you. It's Mike in Vegas. I'll tell you right now, man, I'd rather have you behind center uh, if you're going to win games. I don't care. Whoever, whoever's going to win games, I don't care who it is, but I understand what you're saying when it comes to Brian Hoyer. I think we kind of know who he is and what he brings to the table. So, you know, again, he probably will still be that number two spot just because he has the knowledge starting the season. But I think the inevitable is there that Aiden O'Connell will probably get that number two spot sooner rather than later. And I think that the Raiders staff has a lot of confidence in what he can do just based off what he's done so far in two preseason games. But his preseason, he's still got some, some work to do to clean everything up. As far as Mayer goes, well, he was banged up, so he wasn't really playing a lot. He had hurt himself on a Saturday, uh, one Saturday practice. It was a few weeks ago. And it didn't look like it was anything too major, but it just kept him out. So, really, the first time that he returned to action was uh, last week against the the Rams in joint practices down in L.A. So, I didn't get to see him there. The first time I actually saw him on the grass was on Saturday when uh, he was playing against the Rams. So, I think it's good that he's back and and looking and sounding good. All he's going to do is continue to grow. Man, that guy, he's a winner. I think that he's going to be a really good piece of this Raiders offense moving forward. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate it. Let's get one more call in. Let's go to the Mile High City. How about Raider Dave in Denver? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. I hope I, the cell phone sounds okay. I don't know if it was mine or if it was Raider Mike's who was at the bottom of a duck pond in Las Vegas Country Club. But anyway. <laughs> um, so first things first, you know, you made a comment about how last year it was the defense. Yeah, you know, I think so. There was a combination but you know when you got a 17 nothing lead on the chiefs or 17 nothing on the on the on the cardinals mm-hmm. you know they, they, they change things at halftime and the other team comes back that's that's not enough defensive adjustment or it's not enough talent to go ahead and and change things for what that offense adjusts to and the same thing on the offensive side i think it's a lot on the injuries but but too not creative enough with mcdaniels and and we lost him. Raider Dave, maybe maybe it was your phone after all, but I understand what you're saying. And, I mean, yeah, they lost games. It was a collective, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a joint effort, right? Let's put it like that. When they're up 20 nothing on the Cardinals, there's no reason to lose that game. You know, the defense has got to make plays, and the, honestly, the, the offense should score a little bit more as well. Keep on scoring. Keep your foot on the gas. Isn't that what everybody says? But, you know, the defense just, just let, let that slip away, right? Kyler Murray ran around Allegiant Stadium and, and couldn't be stopped. Um, that you know that Thursday night against the Rams, I always go back to that 98 yards with no timeouts, and they get it done. I know they got benefited by the officials not calling the holding on on uh, the the offensive lineman that had Max in a headlock in the end zone. That should have been a safety. We know that it wasn't called. Uh, also, the the play that Jerry Tillery made that was called. That was obviously you know something that went against them very negatively. But I mean, there's there's plenty of games where both sides of the ball influenced the loss. 
But the defense has got to be better. And, and creating turnovers, it's got to happen. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they didn't do it. Six, six uh, interceptions is not good. And four of those interceptions, two of those guys that created four of those interceptions are no longer on the team in Jerron Harmon and Denzel Perryman. Amik Robinson is the last guy. He's the last of the Mohicans that were on there. He had two. So it was like Noah's Ark. The, the interceptors, if you intercepted the ball on the Raiders' defense, you, you, you went in pairs. Denzel had two. Uh, Jerron had two. And Amik had two. And that was it. That's not enough. That's not going to get it done. Uh, let's go back to Raider Dave real quick. He's, he's back. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead and finish your, your thoughts. I think that uh, what you and I both saw, and I think Raider Nation did too, the last two games of the season, they opened up the playbook. I didn't see that with Carr. So I am a little bit jaundiced on the fact that I think he came in and it's like, I don't know if I really want a $40 million quarterback. But I'll move off of that and just say, as far as quarterbacks go, with Aiden O'Connell, people have to remember he's not going against ones. And he's not going against defenses right now that are disguising coverages. So that's a, a real big area that him and Hoyer can go ahead and get on a learning page. And I think Hoyer's going to stick around to help teach him. But I would be fully confident that this guy can get it done later in the year if for some reason Jimmy G, you know, can't. Um, I, I really am excited about the start of the season and the Broncos, uh, you know, hosting it at home because I get to go ahead and see the game from the sidelines to start the year. Yay. Yeah. There you go. I love it. I hope it. you come out for it, man. I hope you come out for it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm working on it. Raider Dave, thanks for the call, man. I do appreciate your good stuff right there. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of elements that went into last year's failures uh, with the team only winning six games. I would say they failed, right, because they didn't live up to the expectations that everybody had, including some of the players in the locker room. You know, I know Devontae expected them to be a lot better than they were winning only six games in 2022. So uh, I'm interested to see what it looks like this year. It just feels different. It totally could be not different. I could be way off. And if I am, like always, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way off. But it just feels different than what it's felt and what it felt like even last year when the expectations were sky high. Thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Uh, we got my man Cam in Australia. Cam. Whoa, Cam. We'll get to Cam in a hot minute. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, get to Cam, and close out hour number two of the show. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Want to give a big shout-out to the Henderson Little League team. They lost today to Tennessee in Williamsports, Pennsylvania. So they're headed back to Nevada. Uh, what a run they had. It was a close-fought game, and Ed Grady, who joined the show yesterday, said that Tennessee was probably the best team in the whole Little League World Series and that they were going to have their work cut out for them. They lost 2-1. to one. <laughs> So they had a hell of a game, and they had a hell of a run, so they have nothing to hang their heads about. I'm sure the parents and the coaches are probably more upset than the players. The players were upset for about five minutes, then they went and started running around the grass and sliding around and you know, getting ice cream and, you know, just soaking in all the events going on at the Little League World Series and probably already forgot about it. But uh, what a great run, man. What a great way to represent. So, unfortunately, they're done playing. But And Ed Graney, that means Ed Graney's got to come home. <laughs> that, that's probably the disappointing thing for Ed. He's like, damn it, I got to come home now. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the Henderson Little League run ends. But, man, what a uh, run it was. So hats off and shouts out to those young men and women 
representing the Henderson Little League team. Uh, coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll have head coach DJ Campbell from Centennial High School, played college ball at Cal Berkeley, uh, played in the NFL uh, for some years, had some, you know, had, had a – had a little bit of time in the league, you know, just didn't get a whole lot of, of, of run, but he was there, right? He's been there, done that, so that's a lot more than uh, a lot of us could say. So shouts out to him for uh, everything that he's doing, getting his opportunity now to coach Centennial High School, picked up his first victory on Saturday, and so uh, he was the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year, so we'll hear from him coming up at the top of the hour. But right now we want to hear from you. I do have Colin Cowherd. I've teased it a couple times. Uh, it'll probably be right after coach, so probably about four – 15-ish, 420 at the latest. You'll hear from the herd as he talks all things silver and black. But right now, let's go to down under. Let's go to Cam. Whoa, Cam. And right now in Australia, it's 845 in the morning. So, Cam, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, to you, and good afternoon to you, my friend. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just ringing up. Um, about the question of the day, I think it's a great one. Um, so after last year, I'm a little bit cautious. I was over the moon last year. I mean, if anyone over there had seen me, I was running around. I'd Raiders gear on every single day. I couldn't talk highly enough. And all I did, I've got a couple of really good mates that are Kansas City Chief fans that I won't say what they do, but... You can understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. So all they all they did all year was give it to me. So I'm a little bit optimistic and cautious at the same time, just like our man Gangster. Um, and if I can, just real quick, I want to send a shout out. We haven't heard from Fish for a while. What's going on with our Raider Fish? He's a very funny man. Yeah, haven't heard from him. him in a while. Yeah. Yeah, no, I miss him. Fish, get on the blower, bro. Come on, mate. <laughs> get a munch son. And, uh, and secondly, I want to have a complaint, if I may, just briefly. The NFL pass, international for me over here in Aussie land, has, go to, has gone to dance, D-A-N-Z-A or some bloody thing. And I'll tell you what, I missed all of the whole enchilada of Jimmy on the weekend. <laughs> Gotcha. And uh, I can't. And I've tried to download it, and I've tried to do everything I used to do with the Game Pass, and nothing. So oh, no. I'm not happy. So I got to I got to turn it on and see Brian Hoyer play probably one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. <laughs> but that's that's another thing. Let's not complain about our team too much just yet. But yeah, I'd rather chase Garner's have a go than Brian personally. But I understand what Brian's doing because it sounds like he's doing a great job with the coaching side of it. So maybe that's we should just employ him as a coach. There you go. There you go. Cam, great stuff, man. Great to hear from you. Have a great morning there. It's already Wednesday. Uh, man, oh, man, good stuff. There he goes. It's Cam in Australia. Yeah, did, did he, is he gone? All right, tell, what, what are you going to tell me, Ari? You got a microphone, dude. Go, go ahead, Cam. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I was hoping I was going to be caller number nine because um, I want to go to that gig. I am a huge Ice Tea fan. And <laughs> our cool Jay. Hey, that'd be awesome, mate. You and I cruising in Apple's BM and the whole nine yards. That'd be awesome, mate. 
Yes. Great stuff, Cam. Thank you so much. That's awesome. That's a promo, by the way. Uh, Cam is a big-time Ice-T fan and LL Cool J. I ain't mad at you. I am too, man. LL Cool J, he couldn't do no wrong back in the day. And Ice-T, I was a big fan of his music, and I definitely am a big fan of him on Law & Order SVU as I watched that. That's my one thing that I watch consistently all the time. Really good stuff, Cam. Definitely appreciate you. Got some more feedback on the WBroke.com text line. 69187, keyword R&R, talking about interceptions. And Amik Robertson, this is from the 253. Amik had a great interception before half against the Cardinals. Unfortunately, he ran to the red zone where D.C. wasn't good at and threw an interception. That's from the 253. And, yeah, that's the problem, man, that there was too many times the Raiders did some good things, got the ball into a good position, and things just didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Right? I go back to that Thursday night Rams game. That interception that was thrown right before halftime. I, I remember going on the radio the next day saying that can't happen. I know that they're trying to get a touchdown. I know that there was a guy affecting the play. But plays like that, you've got to be able to cash in some way, somehow. Thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Hour number three is on the way. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.